0: I was already kind of thinking, oh my gosh, how are, we gonna, you know, how are we going to simultaneously create these freedoms, but also, you know, make the world a better place and make, give people money. Welcome to Layer Zero. Layer Zero
1: is a podcast of unscripted conversations with the people that make up the Ethereum community. Crypto is built by code, but is composed by people. And each individual member of the crypto community has their own story to tell. Cypherpunks understood that the code they write impacts the people that use it, and Layer0 focuses on the people behind the code, because Ethereum is people all the way down, and it always has been. Today on the show, we're talking to Carl Florsch, who is one of my main inspirations for uh, overall being in crypto, but even the introduction to Layer0 itself. Cypherpunks understood the code they write impacts the people that use it. Uh, and, and Carl is one of these people that is very intimately attached to this part of the crypto world and what he's doing over uh, with optimism, the optimism layer two and retroactive public goods funding goes to the heart of this issue. Um, Carl, I call him the eternal optimist. He just exudes energy. He exudes positivity. And I think he's really just emblematic of the ethos and values that drives this industry. Uh, And that's how he's found his way towards what I call like the core beating heart of Ethereum, the people that are driving towards public goods and building a more sustainable future and answering the question of what that even means in the first place. Uh, And so, We go from uh, Carl's just beginnings into the crypto industry and how he started working with Vlad Zamfir and Vitalik Buterin on on just consensus protocols. And then we go all the way to how uh, retroactive public good funding solves basically humans' biggest problems, which is if you imagine us as a school of fish, how do we direct the school of fish towards a better place? Uh, So we use this school of fish metaphor throughout the podcast to illustrate some of these grand meta problems of humanity. Um, When you are an individual in a school of fish, you don't have a lot of power, but we need to make collective decision-making as a big school of fish. Uh, And we can't just be swimming around in circles, we actually need to go somewhere. Uh, And so we use this metaphor throughout to talk about just consensus protocols and tinkering with incentives. uh, And we go from there and talk about what does society look like when we can finally put a steering wheel behind this like nebulously defined school of fish and where can we go? So I think you will absolutely enjoy one of my favorite conversations on Layer Zero so far, right after we get to some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible. What's up, Carl? How's it going?
0: What's up? Pretty good. How are you? How are you?
1: Good, 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 man. I'm excited to do this. Uh, people that have been paying attention to to the Bankless podcast for a while will know that you're one of the main influences I have for for coming into this space. So, being able to do this podcast, specifically a Layer Zero podcast with you, is 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 going to be. I'm really excited for this, my man.
0: Well, I feel very blessed to have had my, you know, played my part in that this mm-hmm. story. And oh my gosh, see what what has happened to this ecosystem now that you're in it, and all of these other people. Like it has been a wild journey, right? Holy yeah, cow. yeah. So I mean, I came in dr- class of
1: 2017 because I had people leadership like you and like uh, other people on the optimism team and Vitalik. Obviously, all of his content were paying attention to you guys, whereas like. I don't, there's a lot going on in this world of crypto in the era of 2017. But what, what they're paying attention to, I think is the right thing to pay attention to. And that was kind of like the last moment I stopped paying attention to, I started prioritizing Ethereum as an ecosystem. But I don't like, did you have that same? Did you like, who's your Carl Florsch? Like, who, who is that for you? <laughs>
0: My coflers is 100% Vitalik. Okay, I uh, I just happened to want to you know do peer to peer technology because I was like, okay, Google is investing all of this uh, uh, you know inf- effort into centralized technology, so there must be a market opportunity for decentralized technology and so I just like was looking up peer-to-peer stuff and I found the Devcon Zero YouTube videos and I saw Vitalik and I saw Vlad and they were talking about like consensus protocols and like not just doing file sharing with peer-to-peer but literally rebuilding a peer-to-peer internet from the ground up and I was like okay this is it I'm leaving my job let's go.
1: Okay, so it was also YouTube <gasps> content that, that
0: got you into this space? <laughs> oh, 100%. 100%. I had no... I don't think I had any, like, real-world human connections into crypto. It was fee- 100% the internet and then meetups, and that's where I met all these people. And so, I'm sure you must have heard of Bitcoin by at that point in time, but were you compelled by it? No, I really... I mean, okay, I... Uh, had heard of Bitcoin. Huh. Um I was somewhat interested, but it really sounded like some like libertarian, you know, heebie jeebie kind of weird thing. And I was just like, oh like that, that doesn't speak to my revolutionary right. side in right. the same way. It's like just money, right? I want, I want something that is like reform, you know, that is like change in like a more fundamental level. And I don't, I wasn't compelled by the like, okay. you know, add money to the internet and everything is worked out narrative.
1: Right, okay. So you knew that Bitcoin as a technology existed, you understood it to some degree, but then uh, you were at, at Google. Uh, and, and what was the impetus to, uh,
0: not, not at Google? Not at Google. I was at in college considering Mm -hmm. where I was going to Ah. work and considering all of these things. And I'm like, oh, everything I can apply to is just like going to centralize the world even further. Right. Like it's I I just had that entrepreneurial Mm -hmm. spark. Right. I wanted to set out into new lands.
1: Okay, so uh, that's crazy that you went straight from college into this. Uh, Did you think in terms of decentralization and centralization? Because that's a lot of people's like awakening moment when they came into crypto. They're like, oh, I didn't even understand this concept of centralization versus decentralization. And all of a sudden there's this new fascination with this word decentralization. Did you already think in those terms before you found crypto?
0: I did because I was learning about the net neutrality stuff and the, you know, fight for the the internet. And, like, I, I really was inspired by torrents and peer-to-peer file sharing. And I was like, oh, there's something here. Like, I want to create an internet. I, I'm also into music, right? So I, I had a very personal connection to this because... I witnessed as I was in college and before, as I was just growing up, the kind of shift of artistry from pre-internet era to, you know, post-internet or in the internet era. And that shift was like, how do artists make money? And I'm thinking intuitively as a consumer of music, I want to have access to everything, right? But then at the same time as a producer of music, I want to pay and get paid for the music that I'm creating and be a part of a economy that values me. Um, And so that kind of spark was like, okay, so there's something about this peer to peer tech that is like really freedom preserving. But then at the same time, we're not quite there yet, because we're not paying the artists properly. And so it was like this, I was already kind of thinking oh my gosh how are we going to you know how are we going to simultaneously create these freedoms but also you know make the world a better place and make give people money Okay, so yeah, you saw all of these components floating
1: around in the, in the then state of the internet. You saw like distributed systems, uh, and that piqued your interest, but then you also were interested in value creation as a creative person, and you saw like there's something here, like what happens when we smash these two together, how do, how do we even smash these two together in the first place? Uh, and so you're probably asking questions like that, and that's where you started typing these questions into YouTube, and that's where you found the DevCon Zero videos. Yep, that's exactly right. And then what did you do next?
0: So I um, I was in college. I was about to graduate. I had a networking kind of open source job. I was going to work in like Web 2, but it was open source because I was obsessed with open source as well. Um, and I was working on this like peer-to-peer CDN. But then I saw these DevCon 2 or DevCon Zero, excuse me, DevCon Zero videos. And I was just like, OK, this is a different design paradigm. So I just started binging content. Oh Good. my gosh. And then I, I just so happened to live in New York city. And so I heard Consensus was in Brooklyn, so I cold emailed one of the people at Consensus um, and was like, "Hey, I would love to talk about Ethereum with you and grab coffee." And they were so kind as to allow me to do that. I then immediately went to a meetup that night where I met all of these Ethereum people that I had seen on the internet, and I'm like, "Wow, starstruck!" Because everyone on the you know everyone that I had seen or heard is there in person. I was like amazed that this had happened so quickly, and then I was just like, okay, let's go. Oh, I had this so embarrassing story. I started working out of the consensus office while working my job remotely. And there was a photo shoot from the New York Times that came into the consensus office. It photographed me and I ended up in the New York Times article, a new kid on the blockchain. And my boss saw me like, what are you doing in this consensus article? Like I mean about blockchain. I had talked to them, but I hadn't uh-huh. talked about quitting my job. Anyway, one month into that job I had I had quit. It was a great job. Uh, very blessed to be working in open source, but I did not look back.
1: <laughs> that is the uh, the foot in the door into web3 story I've ever heard. So your boss finds out you're going to be leaving by a New York Times article. Oh my <laughs> god. And so okay, you got your first job at Consensus.
0: Yes, I did. And I was working on Ujo, which is like right. an OG NFT, you know, music payment mm-hmm. application. Audius before it's time, right? Mm-hmm. Certainly, certainly. Okay, cool. Well, how,
1: talk a little bit more about just like, you, you mentioned how fast it all happened, as in like, you, and that, you like speed ran that, where you're like, okay, uh, smash my interests together, open source uh, consensus, I'm in New York, and then I'm going to meet, all these people that I just was watching on the YouTube and like, I don't know, it seems like a very compressed amount of time. That's one thing I've said about the crypto industry is once you get into the industry, climbing your way up to the top, there's not that many rungs up to the top of the crypto industry. But you like speed ran that
0: thing. Just like to elaborate a little bit more on that part of the story. <laughs> So, I mean, I lived and breathed crypto and I just was grabbing any opportunity that I could to kind of meet the coolest people and learn the coolest things. And it wasn't because I wanted to like progress my career or anything. I just wanted to contribute in a major way to what was a tiny industry, right? And Mm -hmm. I really wanted to, you know, have an impact. So I started, you know, my website, Carl.Tech, and I just like, you know, talk Carl.Tech to everybody, which you can go, Carl.Tech. But nonetheless, it was this really interesting experience where I would go to these conferences and I would just talk to the people that I respected the most, not because of who they knew or how fancy they sounded, but because they had some cool and crazy ideas. And I had my own ideas that were, you know, uh, kind of bubbling around, but I wanted to learn from the masters. And so I kind of talked to Vlad Zamfir and I just was like, hey, I'll do work for you. I, you know, Vlad Zamfir is this o- OG consensus protocol kind of core Ethereum researcher. And I was willing to learn his consensus protocol work and just do work for him. Like whatever he said, whatever he needed, I was happy to do. And I just, you know, wrote some Python with him. And then that gave me this this kind of door or this like foot in the door to, you know, going up to Vitalik and being like, hey, Vitalik, uh, you're at a crypto conference. I've seen you all the time, but I've been working for Vlad on his consensus work. Like, can I help you with your consensus work as well? Because we're these are early days trying to work on Casper, trying to build out the core consensus protocols of Ethereum. And there were almost no people who had the skills to do that. And I didn't have the skills, but I just binged content like 24-7, web2 decentralized uh, or or distributed system stuff, and then just like asking for help. And it ended up being, you know, it turned out that Vitalik didn't really have enough support at the time to get all of the ideas that he wanted, you know, implemented, implemented. And so I just ended up... Working for him. Thankfully, you know, Consensus is a really free organization, and they allowed me to um, help. Vitalik and help Vlad on their, uh, you know, consensus protocol research because it helps Ethereum. Right. That's a magical thing about Ethereum. Right. Consensus is a company within the Ethereum ecosystem, which meant that I could as I could contribute to the Ethereum, the broader Ethereum ecosystem. And that would be directly incentive compatible with consensus. Like that is a magical thing that crypto enabled. And so I just took advantage of that wherever I could. Yeah. Uh, And I I think I'm going to go ahead and guess that People like Vlad and and
1: Vitalik, maybe they weren't as skeptical as they are nowadays now that the crypto industry is like a trillion dollars in market cap and there's a bunch of other incentives out there. But uh, Carl, something out of you is just like you exude not trying to like, you know, uh, join the top ranks of like crypto celebrities or trying to like fill your new project or something. But like when you talk to Vitalik and be like, oh, I would like to do work and help. Like it's easy to trust Carl because of it's very easy to uh, see that you are doing it for the right reasons. Uh, and, and this is I think it's something that I think a lot of listeners should take away from is that if you come in with the intent to help with the intent to build and not to leverage clout or to leverage you know other or other incentives then people just like adopt you in their social circles and then you just become a part of those
0: social circles and that's how you join the community is that kind of how it felt for you Yeah. That a hundred percent, like you have to leave your ego at the door. Like I was a student and I, you know, continue to try to cultivate that mindset because that is the way, I mean, what is the point of doing things if we can't learn? I mean, I love, I personally love learning and I was just so interested in this subject matter and I wanted to help in whatever way I could. And I was, I was honestly really lucky that I was, in the right place at the right time to help. But if you make yourself available, you know, constantly over and over again, then hopefully, right, you roll the dice and wow, now you're in a position where you're actually able to make a contribution to join these circles and to help the people that you most look up to. Like Vitalik is a hero of mine and continues to be now that, you know, I'm I'm friends with him and I, you know, it's, I just, I feel really blessed to be in this community and have made the friends that I, that I have. Uh,
1: so you, you came out of college and like just jumped headfirst into this thing and, and so you understood computer science you knew you knew the like the basics and uh, maybe maybe more than the basics but at some point in time like you when you run into the world of crypto like it's just a frontier of unknown knowledge and so like how long do, would you say it took for you to just start working on some of these problems of crypto consensus problems before you were like perhaps the expert on them as in like you knew more than basically almost everyone except for a few key members of of this whole industry like how, how long did it go from like you know college graduate to crypto economic expert
0: it Took a few years, okay. I will say, but I mean, realistically, nowadays it's probably even longer. The the, right. the syllabus is jam packed at this point. Um, however, what happened for me was I spent about a year fully immersed, like one hundred percent, all everything I thought about. I was daydreaming about crypto protocols and like incentive protocols. This was a dream come true, legitimately a dream come true. And with that, I kind of did speed run as you say through this knowledge and this information um, and it actually kind of brought me to my my the the kind of next chapter well uh, of of my story right i i well i had two chapters really first i started working on on casper and literally coding the consensus protocols so that was a huge uh uh kind of shift from theory to actual practice right i like wrote the first you know the alpha casper testnet casper is now the you know ethereum uh eth2 uh proof of stake protocol so created this testnet and like learned a lot about What a consensus protocol is, writing the actual code for a consensus protocol. And let me tell you, I struggled through that code. I was it was, that was really out on a limb right there for me. Um, But I made it through, made it through. And I I will, I dare say I made some contributions, you know, it was actually a useful piece of software, um, which I'm very, very, very grateful for. So that kind of got me, you know, this real world uh, experience. I'm still, I will say one thing when you're jumping into a new field like this, cultivate your naive optimism. I will say that right now, because there are a lot, there were a lot of fundamental computer science things like, you know, lessons that I was just reinventing left and right. And so was Vitalik. And so were a lot of these early crypto people like there, these consensus protocols and these, you know, designs have been around for a long time from sharding, like scaling distributed systems. There's a lot of prior art, but you can kind of reinvent a lot of the prior art or figure it out on your own. If you, if you think about it, it's not, you know, inaccessible. Mm. And so having that, you know, going out there and actually doing in the thing was a kind of bridge or a gateway for me to to really learn the theory in a, in a very deep way and at what point in time
1: did you start to really de- think meaningfully about, like, because the, g- the cool thing about Web3 and crypto is that when we build out these systems, values get embedded in them, right? And, you know, you, I, you can probably think about these things in the Web2 context, right? Like f- when we tinker with Facebook's algorithm, uh, the atoms of the world change. And so when we think about the algorithm, then we also are in need to also be thinking about in what ways does it change the atoms of the world? Like, I, I, when did this become like a part of your, your fascination?
0: Oh, that was definitely early on. That's like Mm -hmm. 2015, 2016 era. Um, My... I think one of the best ways to put it, Mike Golden actually gave me this great uh, quote, Um, crypto allowed us to program money. Programming money means we can program incentives and programming incentives means we can program people. And that was simultaneously the scariest thought and the most exciting thought, because my God, if you can with your hands, Write a computer program that programs the way that people behave on a massive scale. That is the biggest single impact that I think anyone can hope to have, right? We are the most intelligent beings. Like we talk about artificial intelligence all the time, you know, and we're super excited by GPT-3, holy cow, right? but you go on the internet before GPT-3 exists and you could see a heck of a lot of you know dolly to generated things but generated by human beings because we are that intelligence mm. and so i i like just the idea of having access to this incredible resource and that is like human ingenuity and creativity that is where we can make this huge huge impact so i was just enamored by that that concept and that the focus of crypto was programming incentives and programming social structures, as opposed to programming apps and and the the human interacting with the app is a kind of an afterthought. And, and, you know, Mm. I think that in some sense, video game design is close to crypto in that it's all about thinking about how the person is like interacting with the game, right? It's already, you know, that game design is probably not a uh, um, a mistake. Um, and so I was very into video games. And so I just love this concept that we can program mass action. Um, mm-hmm.
1: That's a really interesting uh, framing, where like Facebook's algorithm, Twitter's algorithm, these are products where the incentive is the byproduct of them. Like, oh, we accidentally caused a civil war, rather than like accidentally going causing it, right? Like that's what Facebook accidentally did. Uh, But then in the world of Web three, like we we, no, we're going straight for the heart of it. We are actually trying to reprogram crypto, and like that's actually that vibe is is baked into a lot of crypto memes. Like the whole uh, Bitcoin fixes this meme where like, you know, there's a problem out there and then the Bitcoiners will say Bitcoin fixes this. What they're really saying is that like the incentive structure around hard money fixes this problem, right? And so like they they understand that they're going straight for the incentives as well. But like, yeah, you, you said it was one of the most like intimidating and, and scary like realizations. like. When we're going straight for the heart of just like, yes, this line of code is meant to manipulate humans, hopefully for the better. Like, how (laughs) with great power comes great responsibility? Like, does this, how does this hang on you? Is this, is this like hard to tussle with?
0: Absolutely. I, I really do think that um, this moment in time might be, I mean, if it's not, okay, that's great. But it's a solid chance that this is an inflection point where, human beings have a lot of authority and autonomy and power and control of you know our destiny as a kind of uh, a group and so programming us and and kind of building the incentive structures if we build those incentive structures without the right you know, mindfulness, we could actually end up undermining our own authority and our own power to then influence the next incentive structure that is that is created, right? Like, this is an iterated game. We're creating the incentive structures for, you know, the next couple years, which will then create the next set of incentive structures and the next set of incentive structures. And so if the trend is as it is right now, which is decreasing autonomy and decreasing power for the individual, Which I do think there's a solid argument for at this very moment. If that trend continues, that is a very scary future that we live in. Because I, the thing that makes me confident that my, like, life will improve as a human being on this planet. The thing that makes me really confident about that is that all of the other human beings are in the same boat, right? Like I'm talking to you, you want a better life for humanity. I want a better life for human. Like we all want that. So if, if we start creating systems that actually put, take us out of the picture, that is so scary and so possible.
1: Is this is this a similar subject matter to like um, like there's this realm of like AI safety thought out there where like oops we accident we made this generalized AI because that's a really cool thing to make uh, but then it then it gets out and then it all of a sudden like takes over the world and we can't uh, there's no command Z button on that like the I'm fearful of like a similar thing with crypto protocols. We're like, oh, we've we've created these crypto protocols. They've self-propagated. They self-perpetuated. Uh, we we threw away the keys, so we can't change anything. Uh, and now they have the outcome of these incentives of these crypto protocols because we didn't build them right. Uh, makes us do all these bad things that we don't know about. But like, there's no command Z on that either. Right? This is the same sort of dilemma.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I do think that the part of the interesting thing about this whole like AI safety issue is that it's really easy to anthropomorphize AI because you're like, there's a machine and it has a will and it's doing things, it's acting in the world, right? But it's harder to anthropomorphize collective action and like us as a species where we are headed and social systems and governance. But it is still similarly, uh, you know, anthropomorphizable, right? We could have created the artificial general intelligence, like the thing that is important that might already exist. And we are kind of playing out its, its will in our economy as we speak, right? That is totally a thing that, you know, I, I do think. Uh, is a perspective that we don't really think about. And, and what you're talking about, how we have a kind of AI safety problem, it's almost like a uh, human economy safety or a human directionality safety problem where we're like, we need the economy, our economies that we live in and the, thing, the social structures that we live in, we need those to promote human values and promote our intentions. And right now, we don't think very thoughtfully about where our collective you know systems are going and it's pretty scary you know one, one model i have for how DAOs
1: work and how, or these distributed organizations where there are no like boundaries it's like a school of fish or like a murmur, murmur of starlings where like yeah you know, each each individual fish in a school of fish just places itself next to a fish points itself in the same way uh, f- uh swims about in the same direction at about the same speeds and and then those relationships between all the fish creates the school of the fish, but your individual choices do impact your neighbors. And that can like murmurate throughout the whole entire thing. But what is not possible by a single fish is like directing the whole entire school. Right. And so like everyone in the school of fish can like see some sort of shadow and then we're all like, all right, move left. Uh, and then all of a sudden that like this, that response to that can actually like uh, accidentally like drive us over a cliff because we don't the individuals have control over their own part of the ground like the grand system but what are the incentives of the whole system right like what are like the if we can conceptualize this thing as a whole how do we make sure that that doesn't steer itself in the wrong direction just by the micro decisions of the individuals right like how, how do we do that and like a lot of like this fascination in the DAO space of like snapshot votes, let's all vote on this thing, but like we're all voting on these choices, and we can only see so far into the future and we don't actually know like the longest term time horizons. have you thought about like how to how to make people think in longer term more system level uh, structures?
0: Yes, I have indeed um, I will say that my journey in crypto was really a search for the algorithm that would coordinate humanity, right? It mm. was like, I wanted this all, honestly, it was, I was hoping it was like a financialized algorithm where I could deploy this one smart contract and boom, all of humanity would now self-organize and go into a good direction. And it was so simple and beautiful, but unfortunately I think the reality is actually a little bit more complicated than that. But I also think it is beautifully elegant, or at least it could be. So, uh, you know, uh, the, this is where retroactive public goods funding comes in the picture for me. So uh, basically, when you're talking about where, you know, it's really hard for these organizations, these school of fish to direct where they are going, right? We don't know where we don't know how to predict that kind of future. But what I'm hopeful is that uh, of is that we can actually determine where we are with respect to where we once were. So what has changed and what has been a positive change and what has been a negative change. And I want us to be able to quantify that and kind of understand the the things that we like and we want to see more of and the things that we don't like and we want to see less of. And then once we've got an understanding of basically where we used to be and where we are now that we can all agree on, right? We can all kind of have some, it's not everyone's, going to agree 100%, right? Because what I want is different from what you want. But we can come up with something that is like roughly, you know, for maybe my community, my circle of friends, we can all agree on what things we like. And then we can make sure that we are rewarding the people who are giving us the things that we want. And that is I like, it's it's kind of this funny thing, where I think rewarding behavior that we want to see is almost the most fundamental but also the most dumb and simple thing that crypto can do right this whole idea of like airdrops being given to like users for using a protocol like that is the most rudimentary form and kind of dumb form of this but i think there's actually something really special there um so i do think that we can actually as a you know collective many schools of fish it's not just one school of fish right it's all of these DAOs, all of these DAOs that are going to be made up of other DAOs. it's going to be this crazy system ecosystem i hope that we can start getting a better you know directionality and more intentional directionality mm-hmm.
1: part of what, what you said made me think of um like the story of humanity goes grows and grows and grows and like our coordination systems grow larger and larger and larger and more and more effective and they get uh, more humans onto the same coordination system is part of uh, your vision for this crypto industry. The goals, the meta goal of crypto, is to put all the humans on the same coordination thing.
0: Like we're all we're all on the same page. Is that like one of the meta goals here? Absolutely, and that meta goal has to be achieved both from. Uh, a kind of meme perspective, like we need to talk about that as a medical and we have to make sure that people know that we're all headed, in, we're trying to head in the same direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also need our systems to reflect those medicals. And that's really like the, the the kind of definition of public goods, right? We, that it's been very confusing, but generally people think that it's uh, uh, things that are good, where that aren't being rewarded enough, but that produce positive externalities. And what do positive externalities mean? That just means that it like benefits a large group of people. So the more that we can create systems that kind of bring uh, that, that kind of build on each other in this cooperative way, the more bullish I am on us all having a kind of uh, a, apart in defining what the future looks like and a voice in that future. Like, I don't want us to cut out, you know, I don't want to cut out, don't want us to cut out human beings in general. I also don't want us to cut out various groups of human beings. Like, I do really think that the, the ideals that, you know, uh, uh, have divine, defined mo- uh, modern times around, you know, voice and participation and equality and like those kinds of things, they're, they're generally pretty useful for keeping people on track and on the same page and minimizing suffering.
1: Yeah, you, you talked about it being a, at the meme layer, at the social layer first, where we need to get everyone on board with, hey, we are having this conversation as like there is this pocket of like Ethereum researchers and other crypto people that are like trying to create the incentive structure for the whole rest of the world. <laughs> hey guys, you should kind of be paying attention to these conversations. Say say we successfully, because like there's a, there's many, many parts of the world, right? Like there's the, the average Joe that like puts on his suit and goes to work and uh, the, the 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 lady, the the woman that goes and takes kids, drops kids off at daycare, then they come back and they have family meal. Every once in a while they get a ballot in the mail to vote on their democracy. And then for that one part of that four year cycle, they think about the incentives of their particular nation state. But then the other nation states have different like organizations and other incentives. And and like we're all trying to get on the same page, but like so many people are busy with their own like day to day lives that like answer like getting everyone on board with this whole like, hey guys, we're redesigning the whole entire incentive system for humanity uh is like a kind of a tall ask but if we were to get there and like all of a sudden like every human is like oh i get it like we're we're re- tinkering with incentives uh, and i want uh, a stake at this table right i want to express my my version of what i think good, good incentives are imagine like where like if if the bol- most bullish case for this crypto industry getting really sci-fi here the most bullish case for this crypto industry is everyone has the at least the Knowledge that they have the option to communicate their expression of incentives And all of a sudden we have like this new species on planet Earth with their humans But now we know that there's like this this meta goal like hey We have this meta goal here and, like all the humans are on board with like there's this meta goal. we need to figure it out uh, What what happens next and so like when we have that future where like all the humans are on board with like, okay we we get to pick where the school of fish goes Right, Like all the, the, the mini fish all become aware of the school of fish and that like when, our, when we turn to the left, we actually turn the whole thing to the left. And all of a sudden all these fish, these micro fish have the ability to steer the, the meta fish. Humans have never had that ability before to steer the meta, meta school of fish of
0: humanity. Like, are we ready for that? Like what happens next? <laughs> Okay, so first off, you know I work on optimism. I work at it on Ethereum, and so uh, you know I'm. A, but I these are these are my views. I am I'm a crazy person. I believe this though. This is it. This is where we're going. So here is the future that that I see. Right, I do not expect that your average individual is going to be able to, let's say, vote on whether or not we should prioritize uh, you know, cleaning up the oceans or technology which takes carbon out of the, the atmosphere. Right? I don't think that we can do that. But I do think that every individual is, is, deserves the ability to say, hey, I am living in a part of the world that is negatively affected by this, you know, big, you know, let's say I'm negatively affected by some kind of climate related thing, just to continue on the climate situation. I'm negatively affected by that. And I'm going to put my opinion out there that this is something that's harming me and something that we should prioritize. And lots of people start saying, I'm negatively affected, not saying that I know the solution, not saying that I know where we're going to go out of that. But that this is how I feel. Right. And I think I am entitled to the ability of saying, hey, this is how I feel about my local government, about my, you know, the parks in my neighborhood, about the, you know, the the weather, like all of these things, I'm entitled to that. And so then what we can have. And I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a crazy, you know, markets person, right? I'm simultaneously this like social, you know, socialist crazy person. But I'm also this libertarian crazy, techno libertarian <laughs> crazy person. It's a very weird combo, but that's what crypto does to you, I swear. It really said, does. Oh, my God. Um, anyway, so I think we should all express this opinion. That's the socialist in me, right? Mm-hmm. But I also think we need markets to solve these problems, right? I don't think that we're going to be able to say, vote on the solution to global warming. Right. That's crazy sauce. But if we can empower the people who are innovators, who are listening to this podcast, who are, you know, out there trying to solve problems and make a positive impact. If we can empower those people with the knowledge that they will be rewarded for their innovative solution to take carbon out of the atmosphere or clean up the oceans or, you know, help the environment in a local area which has acid rain, right? Like all of these things, if we can have the entrepreneurs you know, empower them and empower the investors so the investors know. The investors, instead of thinking of the, you know, the VCs as the enemy, right? Imagine the VCs as talent agents that are investing in the best works that are going to push forward humanity, right? Like, imagine the problem-solving capabilities that we would be able to achieve, like, uh, the, the the internet that I want to use in the future is one that is protecting my rights at all times. That gives me the right to exit from the the, the services that I'm using that gives me a you know peace of mind that you know what i'm saying is private when i want it to be private or is public when i want it to be public and 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 my my even all the way down to my you know my local neighborhood has the right uh parks and the, the that we can solve these uh, uh pandemics and global warming like just the meta problem that allows you to solve the other problems it's like teaching yourself how to study or like how to work hard right like that if you can do that The sky is the limit. And my gosh, if we can empower the brains on this earth, that is the most powerful force of intelligence that we have at our hands. The brains being like the entrepreneurs or the problem solvers? Yeah, the brains being the entrepreneurs, the problem solvers, the people. And and I think we're all entrepreneurs if we are given the ability to, you know, the creativity, the space to to express ourselves. Right. Like mm-hmm. there are going to be a lot of jobs realistically that need to get done that are not going to be, you know, super fun and creative and whatnot that are, that should be rewarded actually quite heavily considering they, you know, uh, uh, But at the same time, there's I think that generally this the trend of the Internet really generally has been this trend towards like smaller, more nimble organizations that are able to coordinate based on, you know, you know, these protocols that automate our interactions. Right. Like the the theory of the firm is all this is this theory that like, um, you know corporations get to a certain size, and they've reduced the switching costs uh, inside of that organization, which makes them more effective. But if they keep growing, then there's like more switching costs, it gets gets tricky. Like, internet technology is lowering that switching cost and that that coordination cost across the board. And Web3 is doing that even further. So I really think that we're going to see an explosion in human creativity, um, if we actually do this thing, right. Okay, I'm, I'm going to tee you up
1: another metaphor, and I want you to take it the rest of the way. Maybe we end up back at pu- uh, public goods because it'll be very important. Uh, again, we're, we're viewing humanity as like this one global system. Uh, it's a school of fish. Going to sh- swap out that that metaphor with like a, a human body, right? Where like uh, some people in some part, in some county, in some city, in some country somewhere are saying, "Hey, like we're getting acid rain. Uh, it hurts." Uh, and they need the ability to express that it hurts. And so if we view this as a body, like if, you, if you, you, you feel pain at the end of your finger, it goes up to your brain and then your brain creates an action to remove pain, right? It's just like a stimulus. There's a negative thing. It's hurting me. And y- your foot doesn't need to be an expert on fire. It just, all it needs to do is to say, hey, this hurts. I would like this to stop, please. Uh, and then you, it sends that that message that relays that message to the brain. and the brain's like, "Oh, Uh, foot in fire, it hurts, I'm gonna remove the foot and now it's better. And now the people who live in district foot uh, don't have the fire that hurts them anymore because the brain helps solve that problem. Uh, And so like, where where do do public goods come into this metaphor and global uh, retroactive public goods funding? And like, who is the actual part of the brain that helps the foot decide to move away from the fire?
0: That is a great question. You are absolutely right. the retroactive public goods funding what the point of it the like the the like the amazing thing about it is that just as you said the finger or the foot they don't need to be experts on the solution right. they just need to identify the problem it exists hmm. today they your finger is not it at, at predicting if it's going to get a paper cut right, right. It, that is a that is given to a different part of the brain that is given to, you know, and by the way, our brains are emergent, complex systems, right? We think of our brains as this like big, like one thing. Actually inside of our brains, are crazy consensus protocols. There are little <laughs> neurons voting like, Hey, yes, I want this. Right. I don't want that. Yeah. Like uh-huh. it's insane. Right. So we, what we're doing is we're coming to consensus on humanity's priorities. Mm-hmm. We are building a brain right now. Humanity is self harming because it doesn't have the feedback loops that give it the proper, you know, impetus to respond in a pro social way everyone's incentives are aligned at a fundamental level because with technology, with the, the kind of systems that we are building, I do not believe we are in a world where the human beings that exist on this planet cannot get along and thrive together, right? There have been theories that have said, oh no, that we're running out of resources, et cetera. And we blew past those numbers. We have way more people on the planet than people thought was possible. And we can keep progressing. So we're all in this together. We just need that positive sum mindset. And we need the systems which provide the feedback loops that says, hey, this is a problem. And then other systems which go out, the entrepreneurs, you know, come in solving the problem. Right. So like this is a legit we have to stop self harming as a species.
1: Right. Right, yeah. As a species, we just have our foot in the fire, and we're like, "Hey, this really hurts. I'd, I'd like to know how to like remove my foot from this fire, so that things could could get better." Uh, uh, I want I want to actually dive into the whole brain as like an emergent system, because uh, uh, this is where I can actually use my 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 psych degree. Uh, uh, the neurons are just a bunch of logic gates, right? It's like yeah, is it on or is it off? And the, the, is it off is a vote for like a zero and if it's on it's a vote for a one and all of these neurons intertwine with each other in certain patterns, in certain uh, in certain structures where they like the one n- neuron voting for a one will cause another neuron to vote for a one which can cause another neuron to vote for a zero and we have this like this emergently bo- like uh, bottom up constructed path of neurons for all these voting to make decisions. Uh, and it's gotten the brain has gotten so efficient that it's basically a reflex at this point to vote to remove. Like the foot from the fire, right? And this is this is the goal for, for crypto, right? Like, how can we make like something like acid rain such a automate automatized like reflex that we know the solution that it's just like acid rain just like immediately is just like gone from from the earth. And this is where we get into like a Star Trek future. There's just a a few steps between where we are now versus where we're going. Uh, I'll let you take that when they take that one and run with it for what it is.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that is what you are saying. I mean, it's music to my ear. And one of the key things, right, when we say there's a one and there's a zero or there's a yes and then there's a no, like the key thing is that there is always going to be a... You know, a response, a a kind of like every single no matter where human humanity is going, there will be a response system where we're saying, you know, where we do things or we don't do things based on feedback. That's just like, you know, how we operate. We take in inputs and we produce outputs. This is, you know, there's only state and state transitions in computer science. So this is going to happen. But it's really critical that the people in our brain are relatively equally represented. Like we are as a species all going in the right direction, right? I really want to live in that future where we can all move in the right direction. And so that's why it's so important that for instance, we move past just, you know, simple token voting in the, you know, in the crypto space and we move towards richer forms of identity that privilege humanhood. I'm not saying that it's always going to be one, you know, one person, one vote for every single thing, but it should not be a bajillion, you know, votes for one person and one vote for the other, right? Because then our human is going, like, if we think of our human as the our, our collective self, then yeah, we can have our foot in the fire, but the only thing we actually care about is our, you know, fingers cuz that's where all the money's at. So like the foot just falls off and people, you know, we ignore it as a species, but that would be a real tragedy. Like we need to get the maximum you know, velocity for human advancement, everyone needs to be in the same ship. Mm-hmm. So I, I, yeah, this is, this is why we need these identity systems. This is why we need to make sure that we're get, getting better at quantifying things that we want, things that we d- don't want to happen. I mean, specifically things that are, you know, I, I'm, I'm really obsessed with focusing on where things are at quantifying the, the state of affairs. Cause that's actually hard enough, right? That's what retroactive public goods funding, we say, this is, you know, this is the state of affairs. We like this. We don't like this. This has been a great public good. This, you know, hasn't been been really anything. And then, based on that, we just reward the creators who got us where we are today, right? And we do that consistently, and that gets everyone in this mindset. It changes the script. Everyone's building in towards a future that is, you know, pro-social, that is pro... That that, that does incorporate the full body of, of of, of responses right and that is you know that is the 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 that's the retroactive public goods funding future that I really want to see okay I'm just gonna go random left field I'm just I have to do it here's the thing here's another reason why you should like retroactive public goods funding oh my gosh I, I have a broken record but <laughs> this is this concept of, quote, Ether's Phoenix. Okay,
1: no no, right? no, 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 wait, wait, wait. So I want to f- uh, first go into defining retroactive public goods funding and just, like, actually explain that, what, what, what that is. And then we're, I want to talk about Roku's basilisk. And then I want to talk about Ether's Phoenix. So Perfect. Uh, we're, we're, heading, we're heading there. But first, we have to actually do a, a good definition of retroactive public goods funding. So let's start there. How does that work? Uh, what is it and how does it work?
0: Okay, so what it is It's just a it is it is rewarding public goods that have already been created, rewarding Mm -hmm. the creators of public goods that have already been created, doing so consistently, so consistently that builders build for build public goods to get the reward in the future. Mm -hmm. So just in the way that we, we have seen the crypto space explode with crazy bot farmers. The bot farmers are trying to get these airdrops, right? They're trying to predict what is going to be incentivized in the future. Mm. But we can do that and harness that energy for good, for actual positive, you know, pro-social progress. And the way we do that is we create systems, governance systems, which allocate retroactive public goods funding to the creators of the best public goods and we do this consistently over a long period of time. And the more specific the goals are, that we're, you know, retroactive public goods funding, right? You don't necessarily want to start with, you know, uh, funding uh, uh, the best public goods in the uh, climate space, right? Maybe we're funding public goods that are more localized to our communities, but we're doing so consistently. And so as the communities grow, right. the more, you know, you're getting more and more public right. goods getting funded. Right. You got
1: to, you got to put the mask on before you help your neighbor, right? And so yes. we, need, we need to make sure our system can survive before we start caring about the health of other systems. Okay, so uh, how how does like the VC the VC uh, element work into, into retroactive public goods? Because uh, the the line that we gave during our, our live stream was that we're injecting like startup type in financial incentives, where if you build something really cool, you can make a ton of money. But how do we how do we can you explain how those types of incentives gets injected via retroactive public goods funding into people that build public goods?
0: Sure. Yeah. So if you have a credible source of funding. So for instance, <laughs> Optimism, the blockchain. Using the Optimism blockchain, you generate transaction fees. These transaction fees are then put into a pot of money which is then distributed to fund retro- to fund public goods on the network. If there is a pot of money that is going to be distributed, then VCs and other investors can look to see what are the best public goods teams that I know of. So I'm, let's say I'm a new builder. I want to create an open source library, you know, on optimism, of course. And then I will go up to my investor friends. I'll go up, you know, what's up paradigm. I'll say, Hey, guess what my business model is? My business model is to build this incredible piece of software that all of Optimism is going to use. Actually, all of Ethereum, the ecosystem, is going to use because Optimism is EVM equivalent, right? So I'm going to build this crazy good public good. And guess what? Look at all this money. There is a pot of, you know a billion dollars that is going to be distributed over a reasonable period of time. I only need a million dollars of investment to fund my project. And I bet that I would make a return of at least 10 million dollars, probably a hundred million dollars, because this is going to revolutionize all of the you know Ethereum ecosystem. So I'll go up to my investor friends and my investor friends will be going to be like, OK, there's a chance that you fail. But if you do succeed, I agree that public, retroactive public goods funding money is significant. And so I will then invest. And this creates a market for creating public goods. The problem with, you know, charity and uh, uh, open source software generally is that like you go in and you're like, I know this thing is going to be insanely valuable. And I know that everyone's going to be profiting off of it It just like massively, like the Geth team, for instance, and, uh, you know, all of these Ethereum forks. And then there's no business model. so we're giving a business model to the builders of open source software first, right? We're giving them a business model to then pitch to in, you know investors and whomever their family that is going to put money in and they know they will get rewarded, right? We should be if you create an open source software library that is you know changing the world, you should be paid by like you should be paid like an MBA you know, superstar, right? If you really, if you made something that is so impactful, that should be, uh, you should be paid like that, so.
1: Okay, so optimism from the, the block space sales of the optimism layer two generates this pile of money uh, that is going to be sent out for retroactive public goods funding. People will build these projects, and if they get used, they get to have some of that money. How, who, and how is, who determines how much of that money is sent to whom? How, do, how does that governance process work?
0: Great question. So this is, we are currently building out various governance experiments to do this well. What do we need to experiment with? Well, we need to experiment with, number one, we need to experiment with non-plutocratic forms of governance, right? The optimism community is a group of people, individuals that are all using the network and are all benefiting. And so we have created this, you know, this two house you know, system or two uh, bicameral system, which we talked about in our, our, our previous podcast, but... We created this system. One house is the token house, and one house is the citizens' house. And the citizens' house are the ones that are directing this retroactive public goods funding. We have done one experiment thus far for how to direct the retroactive public goods funding. We gave out a million dollars a few months ago to a bunch of projects, including Geth, including you know EtherScan, including a bu- you know tons, uh, ethers JS, and then. We're going to do that again, but probably have a larger set of people who are judging. Right? We had this set of 26 uh, badge holders, which are now we're calling citizens. We had Mm -hmm. 26 of them. They all just voted. Then we're going to expand that group pretty significantly, and probably expand it, expand it, expand it over time. This is why, right? Here's a reason why we're not doing a token vote for that. Right? It's because tokens are relatively centralized and your experience on the network the things that mo- like that you really like about the network and that you are benefiting from that should not be decided by this you know heavy bag holder that should be decided by the people on the system that are using the system and so that's why we're trying to spread that voting power out a little bit more more equally but the details of how we're, you know, all the nitty gritty details, we're gonna be experimenting for four years on this. So we're gonna, we, we have this whole governance system built around experimentation, built around non plutocratic governance.
1: And there's a bunch of parallel experiments going on in the space that are highly related to this, right? Like Gitcoin's quadratic funding seems extremely relevant. Uh, Coordinate, what Coordinate is doing, where they're pushing the decision ma- making of, financial allocation to DAO contributors towards the people that are seeing the other people contribute and they say okay that guy or that person or that or or that woman they contributed a lot they should get paid Uh, and that is completely separate from a completely different corner of the DAO because uh, like they just didn't see it but the people that do see it get to vote. Uh, and so there's like a bunch of peripheral experiments going on, and it seems to be that optimism can just inject the ones that seem to work the best. But but for right now, with like the citizens' house, the people that are in the citizens' house, is it just like one person, one vote? There's like a million dollars, and there's a there's a proposed distribution of that million dollars, and people vote for that
0: distribution. That is how our first experiment first went. Okay. Um, the amount of money is you know surely going to increase, Mm -hmm. um, for the next experiment. Um, and the mechanisms, there's still a little bit uncertainty, a little bit of uncertainty. However, I do think that it's very overwhelmingly likely that it's going to be one person, uh, one set of votes. It may not be one vote. It may be you get a hundred votes and you can spread those out and we Mm. count them quadratically. We counted them quadratically in the first experiment as well. Cool. 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 Okay. Uh, the, The
1: beautiful thing about this and what I think uh, people who are listening in who think like, oh, this is really great. This is going to be awesome for humanity. This is also tapping into people's just like reptilian brain of like, oh, you can make a bunch of money. But the cool thing about this is that it opens up a new field of products that were never before possible with the incentive mechanisms that we saw bootstrap web two right so like web2 level growth but with products that have never been seen before like products that are public goods where you know it starts in the software camp of course it starts in on crypto economics but like no one has seen what happens when we have web2 silicon valley type incentive mechanisms where the products are public goods so it's like not only have we not seen this in the crypto space but we've never seen this for the world so the amount of opportunity there are for entrepreneurs non-technical entrepreneurs who just have an idea to build stuff like the the golden age of crypto building hasn't even begun yet because like it's got to be this because we haven't seen greener pastures that have like so it's like fields of snow that have zero footprints in them. Like there's no, no one has delved into this world yet because we haven't found it. But with now with retroactive public goods funding, we have found it. And so I expect there to be a, uh, this to just suck up a lot of hungry builders out there who want to build something really cool and also make a lot of money. Like this is something that has been like n- untouched, untouched snow.
0: Yeah, I'm extremely excited about this, and because I am one of those creators, mm-hmm. and you know, I I'm excited to see not only you know yeah as you say technical kind of like coding projects be created, but think about the educational products and the the access to information that we can you know. I, 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 one of the things that I worked on, which you know, I think that you, 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 you looked at, was Cryptoeconomics.study. And it was an open source course, which you know, shout, shout out to all of the, the, the learnings that I had learning from Vitalik and, and Vlad and Justin Drake and all of these ETH2 researchers. I wanted to just communicate that to the world. And I was like lucky enough to be working at the Ethereum Foundation at the time to be able to like spend my time, all of my time, creating this, this course and giving it out for free and guess what that course i'm sure had tons of nice ripple effects and got a bunch of people into the space and you know uh, uh, was was very helpful and, and i think i think valuable and so the thing is that that was just i was lucky to be in the right place at the right time working at the ethereum foundation where my stars aligned and i could release an open source course for anyone to look at but We can tap into the creative genius of so many people that are in the crypto space. And if we can give those people a incentive mechanism that gets them paid for creating awesome educational content from on all ends of the spectrum, from like governance theory to, you know, deep uh, uh, crypto economics to, you know, what's happening in the space we can Ethereum. Like all of these things are so valuable and are currently just, I I think personally, I think they are way under invested in um, across the board. Con- good content is so hard to come by. I mean, thank you for doing your your stuff. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, well, like uh, like what you said, like part of Bankless is is came out of Cryptoeconomics.study, study where I was like just pounding my head into just like white papers and like YouTube content. All of a sudden, like this is this came out I was like oh, this explained like things that I was taking hours and hours to learn. It was just in this one like website that one person just built because they thought that it was useful. Uh, And so like, if we could have more of that, imagine how easy it would be to onboard people into into this industry. Um, uh, Okay, I think it's time to get into Roku's Basilisk. Uh, Can you speed run us through Roku's Basilisk?
0: Okay, I will, and I will just say, please forgive me, Rog community. Uh, oh, and, oh, yeah! I forgot. I we're, more we're about wrong. to curse everyone
1: that listens to this. That that is part of this <laughs> yeah. Faustian so, bargain. I,
0: <laughs> I think that we can uncurse by having a better alternative, and the curse is is, is dispelled because of it. That's my hope. Um, but you can we can talk is about the, it. Is, later. is the dispelling of the curse Ethereum's phoenix? Yes, I am okay. hopeful that okay. that is a dispelling. So Roka's basilisk. Right. Uh, is this thought experiment that was posed on Less Wrong that was then banned from Less Wrong? You can look it up, and it's it's generally frowned upon to you know we're not supposed to talk about it. The thought experiment is: imagine in the future there is an AI, and the AI will punish everyone who doesn't who didn't help it come into existence. And the worst part is that if you've heard about it and you didn't help it come into existence, then it'll punish you even more. Yeah, so um, so
1: sorry everyone that just heard that sentence, because now you are uh, doomed, uh, because if you do not start building this thing, it will punish you for not building it. So it's a little bit like the game, where like the game that everyone just lost because I mentioned the game, so sorry about that as well. Uh, but it's, it's a little bit like that, where just like now that you know Roku's Basilisk exists, uh, if you don't start building it, Roku will punish you for for not choosing to, to do that. But can you okay? Let's go a little bit further into the metaphor. Why does this thing have this power? Like, what, what gives what gives Roku its its power?
0: What gives Roku this its power is uh, a causal bargaining. Anyway, I don't. I I am not really the the expert. But if you think about it, right, you can you can play out this future and you can kind of construct a compelling argument, right? You listen to this and you're like, oh, okay, so. Everyone who hears this is going to have to work on it. And so if everyone's working on it, then it'll actually happen mm-hmm. and that will actually bring it into life. And so this idea, it's literally like an idea that is in the future and it's reaching back mm-hmm. into the present and pulling us towards it. It's like this attractor. That's what, you know, people, You know these mathy people talk about. Yeah, basins of attraction,
1: um, right. Because Because- yeah only one person needs to actually do it because if one person builds roku then roku will punish everyone else so it only takes one person to defect and say hey i'm going to build roku and ha ha for all you people that didn't help but i won't be punished because i was the one that built it uh, and so it only takes one person to actually build roku for this ai to start punishing all the other non-builders out there
0: yeah. Very scary. And you can I do think that it is interesting. Like these crazy people think of like ideas and memes as like physical objects mm-hmm. that exist. And like you can imagine these as like literal physical like physical things in mm-hmm. the in a kind of higher dimensional space. You right. know? <laughs> I'm just talking voodoo, but whatever. Like pulling us there. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of kinda freaky. Um, but don't worry about it. Don't worry. Okay. Because we have we have the dispel. We have we have, we we have, have to dis- dispel curse or the, you have, we have the ability
1: to dispel the curse how do we yeah. an emphasis on the aspect of this thing that doesn't exist pulling uh, in the future pulling us in the present towards it like emphasis on that point like it does it doesn't physically exist but the mere thought of it creates it um, but also we can do this in the an inverse
0: fashion so Carl can you teach us how to dispel <laughs> Roku sure so The same logic can be applied in the opposite direction. So instead of an AI or, and remember, when we're talking AI, we can be pretty liberal. We're just Mm -hmm. talking something. It could be a governance system, like we talked about before. Um, So something in the future, Ether's Phoenix, Instead of punishing you if you don't create it, it will reward the early creators of the positive public goods future. Mm. So the sooner you cooperate, right? We're in the prisoner's dilemma. You have two choices you can cooperate or you can defect. And right. defecting, you're going against, you know, you're kind of like being mean, Roku's you're being basilisk. selfish. Yeah. Rocco's basilisk, right? right? The other option is let's cooperate. Let's. Build a good future let's build a positive future that we all want to see happen and guess what the sooner you start building that future the sooner you dedicate your life and your motivation to this and you get people along with the cause and you're building open source software and contributing to ethereum contributing to optimism gitcoin ah all of these things the sooner you do that the more you're going to be rewarded because guess what Ether's phoenix is this you know is this future where retroactive public goods funding has succeeded every the, the world's you know incentive system is aligned and so the people who didn't get rewarded in 2022 those people will be rewarded in the future when Ether's Phoenix is born. And so we can really think about, instead of, let's forget the negative stuff, right? The negative stuff is literally, is just some like heebie-jeebie. I think we're, there's a lot of other ways for us to destroy the world. Um, you know, we don't have to do that, that's silly. But we can focus on the positive attractor, and that is the attractor towards public goods, towards greater forms of coordination, and cooperation for all of us. And the sooner you start getting involved, bringing that future to reality, the more money you'll make, because that's why we're doing it, because we <laughs> love money. You know?
1: And so, okay, so pulling back from, pulling uh, forward from some of the metaphors that we've been using, like this school of fish that you know no one really can direct, and the school of fish isn't conscious, it just goes in circles, even though there's move, fish are moving everywhere. Ether's Phoenix offers offers like a point, a place to go, for the whole entire school of fish. Right. And so, like, now that we have this place that we're going to progress towards, the fish that help steer the whole entire school towards that point get rewarded. And the more that you do that, and the earlier that you do that, the more you get rewarded when you finally do get to that point. Uh, and so, this, this gets it goes from being like a dumb school of fish that only reacts to its environment to a smart school of fish that as can have goal oriented behaviors and can pick its goals, uh, can actually make progress in getting there. Um, but the final issue with that, the final like TBD that we need to collectively work on as a group is, well, where that point actually is, is up to governance decisions. Like, we need to make sure that that point is where we actually do want to go and that 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 actually actually is the right choice. This is the brain, and when the the, the foot is getting, is in fire, this is the brain. Like, the brain knows, like, okay, goal, let's get this done, let's go there. But the brain can also be wrong, like, and it can also be right, but it could also be wrong. Uh, And so, like, making these choices is the meta problem for crypto. And again, that starts at the optimism, uh, a citizen's house and with uh, identity innovation and, and like, uh, uh, decision-making innovations, we can start to actually refine where that point want, uh, needs to be. Um,
0: how's that for summing that up? Anything you wanna add? <laughs> That's beautiful. And I just want to say that if we think, if we make a bet that our governance systems that our ability to determine what is actually bringing us closer to Ethers Phoenix right we mm-hmm. know Ethers Phoenix is the goal but if those systems improve over time then Actually, the future system of governance is going to be able to accurately reward the people who are mm. left out of the earlier iterations. So that's saying that even if the governance system isn't quite good enough yet, right? We're we're doing retroactive public goods funding and we're, we're taking checkpoints and we're saying, oh, who got us here? And how close are we to Ether's Phoenix? And we reward the people who got us. And then we get a little closer and we do it again and we do it again. But maybe some people are getting left out because we're kind of not going quite to the Aether's Phoenix point that we want to go. Well, once we get to that Ethers Phoenix, now it's time to reward everybody and make sure that all the debts are settled, right? It's a Lannister, it's paying all its debts. Aether's Phoenix, uh, the golden air. I don't know, stretching some weird analogies. <laughs> Nonetheless, I'm excited for that future.
1: Right, and also the beautiful thing is that the meta question of like, how do we get everyone on the same page? That's also, that question itself is also technology that can be iterated on. Like the question can get better, it can become a better question. As in like, hey, what is the, what is the local maxima? This is pulling in Kevin O'Walky. is like, what, what is the, the local maxima versus the true maximum, right? Like maybe the Ethers Phoenix finds like, hey, here's a really good point on the value spectrum, the value landscape that's higher than where we are now. And then we get to that point and then we're there and then we discover that there's actually a higher point somewhere else that we wouldn't have been able to identify because we haven't developed the technology to ask that question in a better fashion.
0: Yeah. And this is why we need entrepreneurs. We need different thinkers, right? Because we hit the local maximum, right? The The people who are in the governance system, they should be determining, all, you know, they, they're they doing their job, right? But it's up to the innovators and the people who are risk takers to push us out of that local maximum and find a new maximum and innovate in, in identity tech or innovate in, you know, our ability to quantify the universe that we live in and quantify our wants and our needs and what things are bringing us us up or bringing us down right like that is there's this like really beautiful thing that we're not we're not you know sacrificing innovation to democracy like I i would be terrified if we just start using democracy as our hammer that right. is insane but if we can empower those innovators oh I feel I can sleep easy at night because my god the number of people who are out there that are just geniuses waiting to create the next thing is the most happy thing like the fact that human beings get better as time goes on is beautiful i'm so excited to see the you know the you know people hate on young generations i bet i will bet all my money in those young generations they know what they're talking about i'm I'm out of my mind. I don't know what I'm talking about.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Carl, say we find the true maximum, right? Like we've gone from local maximum to the higher local maximum. And then we find the true top. We find the true maximum where all coordination incentives have been figured out. And just all humans are aware of the meta question and are doing their part to help answer it. And we're a globally unified society. What does that society look like? Like, what, what What does that look like? Like, what, what does the earth look like? What does our relationship with our neighbors look like? What do our jobs look like? Can you illustrate this for us? Uh,
0: well, I, it looks like, first off, it looks like a well-oiled machine. And it looks like things, if you imagine dysfunction, governmental dysfunction, and if you think Like that, that is a kind of day to day, that is a baseline. Everyone, I wake up in the morning and I'm like, wow, that is some serious dysfunction over there. Like, what are those people doing? Why are we making this decision? Why is this company being so stupid, right? Like that is like, think about how much bad stuff happens these days. At least we learn about it, right? Before I'm sure we didn't even learn about it because information was traveling at a snail's pace. But now we're learning about, we're like, wow, something is horribly wrong. So the first step to reform is knowing something's wrong, right? Then the next step is actually fixing it. So we, I am at least well aware of the wrongness in our world. And so I am excited to see a future where I just feel liberated, right? I can like try. It's like you know, gliding through water, in and and we we can find new challenges, right? It's not like I I want the the, the challenges to be over. Eventually, I'm excited for the challenges all to be over, but like you know, exploring space, different, you know, uh uh planets and, and coordinating like cross-planetary consensus. That's going to be hard, right? Like the delays between information propagating is like, these are, there's some really fun problems. And I just want us to dive deep in them. And I also want us to connect to each other, right? Like all of these barriers, we're working all, you know, 24 seven, like, let's give ourselves time to, you know, spend time with our families and care about what matters, right? Like, I really do think that is, is important. And I will say, okay, this is, that's all like very materialistic type stuff. But I will say that the, you know, the reason why, part of the reason why I got into crypto is because my mom is Hindu, and I grew up going to the ashram and meditating and like doing all of this stuff. That's why I'm wearing these beads. And from my perspective i basically i think there are like two options where you can either become a you know monk and and self realize and recognize the universe and kind of be be at peace in one or we can use technology to to make that process automated and give it to everyone so i'm really hopeful that that you know self actualization realization like we literally elevate our consciousness Two places that have we can't even conceive of right now because we don't have that, we don't have the 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 doors to those perception, to that perception.
1: Carl, that was beautiful, and and that line is the line that I always wanted to hear you say on on a Bankless podcast. So thank you for coming on and sharing your thoughts with all of us here.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much. This has been so much fun. Cheers.